you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. I've got a very esteemed guest with me today in uh, Stuart James, who is a photographer. Since leaving school, specializing in capturing people, hopefully that's with the camera, not physically, Stuart, because that could be slightly worrying. Uh, From weddings to specializing in personal branding imagery, each client journey is one of direction, coaching, and coaxing. Pressing the button is the easy part. It's bringing the best people in that matters. So welcome to the show, Stuart. Thanks very much, Matt. Really glad to be here. It's uh, it's good to be the other side of the interview for once. So uh, thanks for having me, Mike. I know. it's It was like role reversal, but it's almost like we've managed to set it up in almost an identical way. So this is kind of like part two. Absolutely love it, mate. Absolutely love it. And yes, just to clarify, it is definitely capturing people with the camera, not anything else. I would have a record for that. So now let's uh, just clear that one up out the back. We'll, we'll have to update the show notes. Cool. Uh, so um, one of the first things which I wanted to sort of dive in just to give some value, obviously. So we're talking about coaches, consultants and freelancers here, but sometimes I don't think that people really put enough or give enough attention to their own personal brand and therefore struggle to connect with people. So um, coming at it from a a sort of um, an imagery perspective, um, how can you make your um, imagery connect and how can you connect better with your audience? Absolutely. The big thing is you've got to be real with it. You've got to be transparent. You've got to put yourself in a way that your audience are going to see you. Um, You know, if you turn up to every single meeting and you've got your brand all over your shirt, then your imagery should show that. If you're going to be turning up in a suit and tie, then you need to have a suit and tie on. It's all about being real. When I'm working with clients, it's very much understanding who they need to speak to because it's so easy to think that your brand is about you, but it's not. Not if you're clever. Your brand is actually about the people that you're speaking to, and it's trying to get that out of people and guide that out of people, really. And just get them to realize that you've got to speak to people correctly. When I was working with a lady the other month and she's actually got two or three niches and we had to really approach the shoots to speak to each of those niches individually. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. You've got to be really selective about your imagery. The same as you would about your copy, it's all got to be very controlled, but it's got to be real. Um, And my job is just to make people feel at ease, feel comfortable, feel easy and just bring out the magic. It's as simple as that, mate. <laughs> you make it sound so simple. <laughs> what What's the trick to it, though? Because, like, why why doesn't this stuff come naturally to people? I think almost everyone that I know, every client that I work with, isn't comfortable being photographed. Nobody really likes to be well. The sort of people I associate myself with don't like to be on camera. It's there are you know. A, a, group of people and then you know the selfie culture they absolutely love it but you can't use a selfie to promote yourself as a business so actually handing over your image to someone else is tough you've got to have a lot of trust in it and don't forget whenever you see photos you see yourself backwards and that confuses the hell out of people as well it's uh, it's this whole mind shift going on um that you never see yourself the right way around you only ever see yourself in a mirror which is quite funny um and it's quite often just getting people past that comfort point and 
I think it does need someone there to to guide you. Um, you need someone who's going to be a critic, who's going to hold your hand, coax you through it, and you know just prod you through it as well, and get that reaction. Trying to look normal and real and approachable on camera is tough. So you've got to have someone that's going to bring out that natural side of you. And yeah, that's my job. It's I'm spending most of my time being a clown behind the camera just to get that natural reaction with someone. I bounce around like an idiot, but I get that reaction from my my subject essentially, and it works. I work on the fact that I've got to feel connected to them through the camera. If they connect to me through the lens, then I know it's going to connect to the person who's viewing it. And maybe it's just that you need someone who's really focusing on human connection behind the lens. That's that's the point. It's you've got to connect first. All the you know, photographic things of rule of thirds, straight lines, colors correct, lighting correct. Yeah, that's that's sort of a fundamental. Everyone's got to do that, but it's got to connect. That's the whole point. You've got to find a way to speak to someone through a still photograph. And I suppose like you can't you can't fake any of it as well. Because if somebody's like this, like in front of the, you know, in front of the camera, in front of the screen, like that, that's the bit which you're never going to be able to fix that through kind of color correction and ed- a bit of clever editing and things like that. Um, and what, it was really fascinating what you said there about the whole sort of selfie culture and the amount of business owners who still think it's okay to have a selfie on their LinkedIn profile. And um, there's the new app Clubhouse, funny enough, I was talking to my previous guest about this, Clubhouse um, has come out. And I, if somebody's following me and they don't have a headshot on their profile, the first thing I think is, Why? Why not? What are you hiding? And there's a certain level of authenticity, you know, which isn't, they're not, they're hiding something. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really fascinated to, I mean, maybe you probably better understand about some of the, because I bet people probably open up, don't they, to you when they come onto in front of the camera and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm never cut in front of the, com- the camera because of, but what's the weirdest um, sort of objection to being photographed that you've had? It is just trying to, get past the barrier, I think, sometimes. I, I was talking to uh, a client earlier today. I was doing a live interview with him and talking about personal branding and his experience. And he knew he needed headshots doing. He knew he needed brand imagery doing, but hated the idea. He was literally camera phobic. He says that he doesn't like being a center of attention. You'd never believe it to see him uh, you know, in front of a group of people. But bringing out that conference with camera, when it, I think it's freezing that frame. That's the point. It's We've all had so many bad experiences of it. But so often when working with clients, it's you've got to really get through a lot of barriers with them. Uh, men and women, exactly the same. We all know how we'd like to look and maybe we see ourselves in that way sometimes in the mirror. So then when it's recorded down and suddenly your face is slightly distorted or you think it's distorted, it's, it's really interesting. And it is just about getting people comfortable. It's You'll never be perfect. And it's realizing that that's okay and you've got to, just get past it but there's been some interesting moments um normally i said people finally getting a hint of reality i guess um and it's sometimes it needs that little bit of gentle editing um needs that bit of attention to make them truly happy but you've got to get that connection first if you haven't got the connection you can't polish your toes mate <laughs> love that saying what's the um what would you say is the the real value or benefit in terms of kind of doubling down on your personal brand because a lot of people would look at you know i'm i i kind of got all the kit i've got the the the, the logo printed on my t-shirt and things like that but tangible results like what kind of um when somebody is authentic and you must have worked with a lot of business owners what results have they actually got through having going through this sort of personal branding process 
I think straight away you've said it from the start there with Clubhouse and you know, it's the same on any social media. If you haven't got a, a real good brand image, then there is this distrust. And it's, it's the same as everything. Your social media doesn't deliver converted business that often, but it's all part of building the connection. You've got to build that real show point to your audience and you've got to show who you are. And that's sort of where your personal branding comes in as part of that. And it's giving people that connection. So all the time they know exactly who's going to show up. They know who's in front of them. They know where their money's going and they can trust that. And maybe it is as simple as if you've invested in yourself and you believe in yourself that much, how much are you going to give to them as a customer when they're the ones who are paying for it? And that's a big difference as well. It's, it's all about value. And if you're valuing yourself and investing in yourself, you're going to do one hell of a job for them. And I, I don't think there's a, a monetary thing that you could put down on it. But in this day and age where we're more and more disconnected physically and we're more connected digitally, you've got to get that human connection in there somewhere. We're, we're all still people. We all still want to connect. And you need to see the whites of their eyes. Um, to, to quite a good friend of mine, it, it is seen through the BS. You've got to see that wide-eyed approach to what you're trying to connect to. It's um, on a personal note, obviously, you know, I, I went through this kind of experience with fearless business and, and kind of um, when I first started coaching, I went down the corporate route and tried to wear the, the smart chinos and the shirt and, you know, the jacket and tried to be that sort of coach and very quickly realized that I felt very, very uncomfortable in that environment, trying to be somebody who really just didn't fit, you know. And so for me, kind of being able to show up and coach in T-shirt and jeans is that's who I am. And that's I want that more relaxed approach to the business. And I'd say just um, it's not about the image at all, really. It's, it's about the confidence which it gives the person internally to be able to stand up and do their job confidently, I think more than anything else. And having that level of confidence, um, I would say probably has done as much as double my turnover within 12 months when I finally decided on that's who I want to be seen as, as as a business coach. Um, There are, you know, I'm kind of, um, I'm not going to brag, Stuart, but (laughs) I was able to kind of double down and, and afford to you know, afforded days with professional photographers like yourself, I was able to afford to go to a branding expert to get my, you know, get the fearless business brand kind of created and things like that. What about to a small business owner, maybe who is, um, you know, maybe they don't quite have the, the, the money available just yet to um, spend on getting these assets, amazing assets built for themselves. Where is a good place to start? Where's, is there a halfway house that you can kind of say, well, can't afford a professional photo shoot, but is there something which I can do to make my, my profile look better? There's definitely things you can do. Um, it could even be finding a friend who is good with a camera and approaching things as close as you could to a professional shoot. You know, make sure you're wearing clothes that are right. Go to an appropriate venue work with daylights you know daylights easy everyone knows what they're looking at you don't need to be in a studio for great shots 95 percent of my shoots aren't in a studio that's just not my style it's you've got to just find that way of really communicating yes having a great brand is is awesome um if you can go and have it custom designed by someone brilliant but maybe you could just go and find something that you can tweak and as long as it's you then that's fine you know use some of the the resources that are out there there's some websites that are okay there's some that are atrocious but you don't need to spend the earth to to get great shots likewise you don't need to spend a fortune on a photographer it's you can and you will really feel the benefits afterwards 
you might find a photographer that does mini sessions. We do them occasionally where we'll work with a client for one hour rather than four hours. So they don't get as much content, but they get more than enough. And that's the whole point. You've got to know what you're getting and what you're going to need to get out of it. Maybe it's a case that you need to say, okay, I've got to knuckle down on this. It's going to be my photos are going to be my first point in my brand because that's the connection that I'm going to put forward and everything else can come afterwards. You know, your graphics and stuff can come later. Maybe It's all about finding that balance of where you want to put yourself. Work on the fact that your imagery could give you probably 12 months content. Doesn't take a genius then to start dividing it up and realizing it was worthwhile. Uh, it's just being sensible. You've only got so much money to spend, mate. Absolutely. And and when it comes to sort of technology as well, what's your advice there? Because again, there'd be a lot of people who'd be like, oh, I need to go and buy myself a nice DSLR and a nice microphone so I sound really good. And, you know, all of that good stuff and all the light rings and all of the, all of like, you know, all the tech, like um, how much does tech really matter? Oh, mate, tech doesn't matter a damn. Um, that's, that's the truth of it. It's there's times when you need the quality, you need that high-res camera, you need that high-res microphone, you, you, know, you need these things. But when you're starting out, you don't. It's, it's all about being sensible. I say, use great window light. It's, it's soft, it's lovely, nice bit of shade, don't go for direct light, works just as well as studio lighting. With your audio, pick up you know, a, a cheap-ish lav mic from Rode, for instance, you know, $59, and it's pretty bloody good. It doesn't give you the depth of this mic, but it's okay. You know, just be really, really smart about what you spend in. And definitely you don't need to go and buy a DSLR. The, if you've got a half decent camera phone, I'll be brutally honest, it might be good enough in the right hands. I, you know, if you've got someone who's a non-photographer and you give them the DSLRs I use, you give me the iPhone, I'll probably get better shots because it's knowing how to get the best out of someone. It's kit doesn't matter. I, I don't spend much money on kit because it's just a tool. Um, you know, the best camera is the one you've got with you, as they always say. One of the um, one of the best investments I made, apart from I've got one of the Rode Smart Labs as well. I mean, I've got everything. I'm not going to lie, Stuart. But um, um, one of the best investments I've made was just a decent tripod, a little microscopic tripod that you can... I've got a desk-sized one that you can just stand up on your desk and pop your smartphone into, but also a full-sized um, Manfrotto one that's just super lightweight. And I can literally <laughs> take it out into the woods, do a video out there, and, you know, it can be... It's got nice dappled light when the sun's shining, and it's just... You you know, you don't like with a smartphone, it does all of that sort of processing for you. And I've got some really good quality sort of content off, you know, off the back of that. And that was, I think, about 30 pounds or something for that tripod secondhand, yeah. you know. And we, I encouraged um, some of our clients as well. So we, we're big on sort of producing, you know, good, good assets for your business. So in terms of video and um, professional headshots and things like that, because they do really make make you stand out as a business owner. Um, and one of them, she's a sort of yoga well-being instructor, um, went out and bought her bought the tripod and then um, started filming herself using her smartphone. She's done some amazing instructional videos with it. She had to do quite a bit of work to make the audio work because obviously she's quite a distance away from the camera and, and various mm -hmm. things like that. But she managed to get kind of just all of the framing just right in terms of like it was nice and symmetrical. She was... Just it was absolutely spot on, and you know that's managed to massively accelerate her business just off the back of using a smartphone. I think content is one of those. Is you're better getting the content done and getting it out there than you are just procrastinating and not putting it out because you haven't got the perfect gear. Content will still speak. That's the point. It's I always say you know if you're going to focus on anything, 
when it comes to buying tech for producing videos, spend on your audio first. People will forgive a half decent image as long as the audio is good. If the audio is crap, you can forget it. It's uh, it's a real simple thing. And then you know, outsource your editing to you know a, a website where you'll find some guys in another country that will be able to do it a hell of a lot cheaper than we will in the UK or in the states, for instance. Be really smart with you with what you're doing and really just spread it out there. But yeah, get your content done, mate. I love that as a as a whole point. Yeah, pro- prolific beats perfect every time. That's uh, why it's why I hired my head of content, Jess, because she's here to like repurpose everything into like take a podcast, turn it into five videos, turn it into a blog article, like push it out onto all the various different social media channels. And there's, there's absolutely no way that I could do all of that that work on my own without having that extra person. Like tech, um, in like marketing has moved on so dramatically, even just over the last sort of ten or fifteen years, and and trying to be like everywhere as well as capture decent footage and get the courses produced, and get it's just like way too much. I think you've raised a really valid point then about outsourcing, and I suppose. Like what, what would you say? And I know this is very much how long is a piece of string, but what would you say is like a reasonable sort of price to invest in your personal brand nowadays? Reasonable is, yeah, as you say, it's how long is a piece of string. That's, that's sort of the point. But I think if you're looking at 500 quid, you know, $500 minimum starting point, you're going to get value from it. You're going to get a hell of a lot more value out of that than spending 200 with someone. 500 to 1,000, you know you're going to get something really special. The biggest thing I would be guiding people to do is make sure that the photographer that they're dealing with actually invests in them and invests in the shoot. It's not just turning up for two hours of you know glorified shoot on, on an afternoon. It's all about the pre-work, the post-work, the guidance. You want to make sure you get maximum impact out of every sort of event that you're doing. And most of the time, you don't know what to do with the imagery. So if you haven't got a marketing strategist in your pocket, make sure you've got a photographer that's going to guide you to do that as well. It's just taking the photos and editing them is one thing, but it's knowing how to use them. That's where the real value comes in. Um, and that's where a personal branding specialist will help you stand out. So how, how do you choose a good photographer then? Because I mean, again, like, like and no disrespect, the photographers are 10 a penny, but finding a good one is like a bit of a needle in a haystack. So how, how do you find a good one? Yeah, it's a bit like trying to find a podcast guest and put your finger out there and you'll find a business coach. It's uh, They'll always turn up, mate. And um, it, it is about finding that connection, you know. You've got to look at their work and like their work. You've got to see their recent work and connect with that. And then I think you've got to connect with the person. It's exactly the same as when I've been working with brides and grooms over the years. I always say, you've got to like me and I've got to like you. And it's a two-way street. You've got to be on the same wavelength because otherwise it's it's impossible. You just end up pushing water uphill and we all know how that works so you've got to connect on a personal level i think um liking the work is one thing but you've got to connect personally and really feel comfortable with that person personal branding is a little bit different to a wedding you know you're with them for two hours not 12 hours and you're not sharing the most precious moment of your day and you know of your life with them but i still think it's that personal connection that matters um work with someone that you want to work with you know find someone who's happy to put their voice out there if you want to be that way get on the phone get on a call with them and see if you connect and if you don't resonate with them go elsewhere you've got to really feel something with that person because i don't think you'll make a connection visually if you don't make a connection emotionally okay so because it's 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 interesting you kind of came at it from that perspective because like seeing it as as an emotional connection as opposed to a visual one i suppose on a, a, a purely practical level you can obviously look at their 
portfolio of images and that gives you an idea about what the finished article is going to look like albeit you don't, you don't know what the variables are going to be on the day i was interested to hear what you said about sort of you know how how um what do they give you before they actually before you show up to the shoot so in terms of that pre-work and the planning side of things so from your perspective what 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 do you mean what do you actually what are the steps which you go through then before you actually show up to shoot yeah absolutely mate so it's all about understanding who they're trying to speak to. It's you've got to understand their market points and understand why they're wanting the shoots. You know, so for me, it's I'm jumping on a Zoom call with them or I'm grabbing a coffee in good old fashioned times when we used to be able to do that um, and sit down and see if we've got that connection and then understand who they're trying to speak to and why. And then we'll start talking about their brand, where their brand's at and colors and textures and where they're going to use it, looking at their website and things to make sure that the imagery that we're creating is going to match. And then a lot of the time then is actually put into scouting for the venues, um, looking for those right conditions, looking for that right sort of timing. And then it's guidance on outfits. So it's literally is a full on service. It's not just being a photographer, it's being a stylist and everything else. And quite often I'm jumping on that final planning call where we're just running through all the final details so the client knows exactly what to expect. And I'm looking at outfits on a camera and it's like, what do you think about this and this? And giving my opinion. Um, yeah, it's only an opinion, but it's an opinion that clearly matters to them because they're using me as their photographer. Um, and it's it's just guiding all the way through. That's before we've even got to the shoot. And then on the shoot, it's guidance all the way through. It's You've got to pre-plan things to, to know what impact you can get from the images. And that's what I'm working on. It's like, right, okay, let's work on wardrobe changes. Let's work on what we can do with hair and you know, makeup maybe that we're, we're thinking about changing things up during the shoot. And of course, it's a lot easier to put makeup on than it is to take it off. So you start calmer and then add it in. It's just simple practical things that just comes with years of experience. Um, but it, there's so much guidance involved before the shoots, then we're doing the shoots. And then, of course, afterwards, we're running through, we're talking about the images, working out what they love, talking about what I love and why it works, and then preparing images for them ready to use for the different platforms and being like, this is these are your bank of images that can be your cover photos. These can be your profile photos. Let's pick this one for this part of your brand and this one for this one because of this reason. It's very much a full guidance service that... As I say, pressing the buttons the easy part, mate. It's um, it's giving the maximum impact. So that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's interesting actually because I've I've worked with photographers in the past, and um, you kind of I, you know you end up with a hundred plus like shots, and and I've literally just been handed the disc and say, here you go, and I'm 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 like great. What, what do I do with these now? It's like, you know, stick a couple yeah. on my social profiles and things like that. But there's probably like one which I really like, which I keep on using on all of the different places. But understanding how to use all of the different shots, I, I, that's something which I just don't really understand. So, um, you know, it, it's what would you say is how do you get the most out? If you've got a variety of shots, how do you get the most out of them once you've done done the shoot? I think it is literally that. You need someone to guide you through and give you ideas of where you can use them and where they can add value. It's realizing ones that can stand out great for your social media posts and dropping onto your lead magnets and things. It's, I think you need that guidance. I was the same and I had a, my personal branding shoots and ended up with just a folder of images and you know, we went through it and Aideen did an awesome job. She's one of the best photographers I know. Um, but to actually then know what to do with it, if I hadn't got those that skill set, it'd be like, wow, this is a little bit overwhelming. Um, yeah. Apart from asking the wife which images I should use, because she's always right. Um, it's <laughs> trying to 
understand where to go. And I think you do need that guidance. You need someone who's just going to be brutally honest with you, tell you what to do with them. And that's why I like to give a whole guidance and literally set of folders of images that they can just go into and just use. Um, so yeah, sizing them for the web is one thing, but actually putting them in a folder, this is for this use, just makes life so much easier for them. Cool. Let's shift gears a little bit because I want to get to know Stuart and sort of how you got into photography in the first place. So you mentioned in your bio that you you, you started um, as a photographer immediately sort of after leaving school, but you must have had an interest before then, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my my whole intro to photography is because of my old man. Um, so my dad was a photographer from back in the 80s. My first job was carrying his box um, it was a, as a wedding photographer and then we worked together um, he gave me a roll of film and a camera one day and the bride bought a couple of the photos. So from then on, I was a professional photographer and it sort of <laughs> went from there, really. Um, I never studied photography because I was photographing or part of photographing 80 weddings a year. Um, so it was insane. I'm, I was always surrounded by it. And then we did a lot of corporate work together as well. So I learned from one of the best photographers in the industry of his time um, and then just went from there, really. It was sort of an inevitable thing. I'd got wedding bookings in the diary before I'd even left school. So I was very lucky. I was able to accelerate my business a lot quicker than a lot of people would be able to um, because I'd been there, seen it and done it while I was still a student, essentially. Um, and yeah, I just never looked back, mate. I, just, I love the job. Um, the industry has changed a hell of a lot over that you know, nearly 20-year cycle, but it's, it's still people. Um, and ever since we moved everything more into the, the documentary side of things, which is my style of the wedding photography and indeed, I guess, to a degree, the, the personal branding side of things, it's, it's trying to be really authentic and just real with everything and just having a bit of fun. Um, I don't have fun with everything I do, but um, yeah, so literally started my business at the age of 18, um, went out and bought an eight grand camera, which I dropped the year after that, that hurt. Um, but um yeah, exactly. But you just get through it um, and you learn on, on the job. You learn on the way through. You learn on how to deal with people. Um, I'll never forget the very first wedding I photographed. There was a major Barney um, during the family groups and the bride and the bride's sister-in-law had a full-on fight. And it was like, do I really want to be here? Is this really <laughs> what I want to be doing? But you get to the right client base. You know what it's like. You you pitch yourself price-wise to the sort of people you want to work with. Um, and I followed that same philosophy all the way through. And it's not a case of, for me anyway, not a case of going for the most expensive client. It's finding where that comfort point is. Um, and I've definitely got there and I love it. It's, um, I love working with people and giving them something that's really special to, to remember their day by. Was there um, ever a point when you were kind of starting out you know, on, on your own, so to speak, with, so without your dad's help necessarily, when you're on your first photo shoot where you kind of felt a bit of imposter syndrome and a bit of like a bit of fear kind of kicked in of like, God, oh, am I really doing this? There's still fear on every shoot, mate. Um, literally every, it's not a lie, especially when it comes to weddings. Um, you know, you've got one chance on a wedding. You've got to get it right. And I still have butterflies now. And I, I always say that the day I go out to a shoot and I'm not nervous, it's time to pack it in and do something else because it means I don't care anymore. Um, but yeah, I never really had imposter syndrome. Um, I guess maybe I just felt like I should be there because it's what I'd always done and I knew I was good at it. Uh, when I mean, I photographed my first wedding when I was 14, so it sort of went from there, really. Um, it's what I've always done, and I guess that's why. I sometimes feel it, even now, um, when you're on some corporate jobs and you're the, the small fry in the, the size of the production, but you've got to remember you're there for a purpose and I'm, I'm just quite pig-headed and I'll just carry on and bring my confidence to every every situation really, mate. 
Yeah, I think that's super important, actually, what you just said there. Um, and I, well, I can't paraphrase it, but um, you're there for a purpose, I think, is what you said. But you have to remember, like, that client's booked you to do a specific job, and they've probably booked you off the basis of, you know, referrals, reviews, testimonials, case studies. They know what they're buying. Um, I, I did a talk recently for a um, big sort of international pharmaceutical company, and that was um, – it was it – was, Quite, quite a challenge, actually, I found it because I hadn't done anything of that scale before. But then I realized, you know, they were the ones who picked me. I didn't go out there scouting for that business. And I wasn't the one who was kind of putting myself under pressure. It was, well, I was putting myself under pressure. It wasn't them putting the pressure on me, I should say. Um, and so when you kind of are allowed to decompress and actually look at the job which you're doing and then realize, you know, afterwards when the clients bought the photographs and you know, the albums and they're, they're using them on their social media and various things like that. You can sit back and go, yeah, do you know what? I did a, I did a good job there. I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm really pleased with that. Yeah. It's, it is feeling that pride afterwards. And I think the nerves and the anticipation and the pressure you put yourself under is it's all part of it. Um, as I said, you know, if you don't feel that you don't feel that obligation to overperform and over deliver, then there's something wrong with you. Um, I always want to push. I always want to get more out of every situation and bring out the best in me and you know whatever was going on around me. It's just sort of how my mind works. Cool. So what are you working on at the moment? Yeah, mate. Um, really, really interesting project at the moment. Um, so I'm working with a communication specialist and we're bringing out a new sort of an evolution of the personal branding experience. So it's actually giving them giving the clients that voice as much as it is giving them the imagery. So myself with Adam, we're working together to bring out this really interesting project where he's coming in from the communication, the strategy, the marketing angle. We're then coming together to create the imagery and then the whole handover will happen afterwards. So it's sort of evolving from what I've done, but then using his vast experience to to take it to another level. It's storytelling, it's communication, it's sales, it's it's everything together tying in with a whole range of add-on packages, essentially, from you know the guy to go and create that brand for you, the lady to look after your social media, someone to write that copy for you. We've got it all there as a package that we can add on so people can build this the experience exactly how they want it. Cool. Sounds awesome. And um, what we'll do is we'll share a link to that in the um, show notes as well once this goes live. Um, we're coming towards sort of the end of the podcast already, believe it or not. Um, what, um, what are the best ways to get hold of you, Stuart? Mate, best ways anywhere on social media. Look for either Stuart James and you'll see my smiling face um, or search for Emotivide. That's the, the company name. You'll find me on Twitter. I'm all over it like crazy. You find me on LinkedIn as Stuart James or as Emotivide or on Facebook. Um, everywhere you go, you'll find my latest work. Uh, Twitter and Facebook are probably the best places. Follow me, get in touch, uh, get your ears wrapped around the podcast as well and uh, see how you connect with me. If you connect with me, sweet. Let's see what we can do together. Awesome. I have to ask... Who does your photography? Yeah, mate. Well, my <laughs> photography was done by um, a lady ever in Dublin. Uh, she's called uh, the company's Fire Child Photography. Her name's Aiden Curtin. She is a legend. Absolutely amazing woman. I would love to go back over to Dublin and work with her again. Um, and indeed, I enjoy a few Guinnesses while we're over there, mate. Oh, that's that's gold. Uh, I'm I'm sold. I'm going to go over and do some photos there as well. So <laughs> anything that involves a bit of, I would, bit mate, of boost, I would. 
I don't blame you. It's like, <laughs> it always strikes me as it's, it's almost like a little bit meta, you know, the photographer of the photographer of the photographer of the photographer. It's like that never ending like series uh-huh. of mirrors that goes along. It's like coaches as well. The, co- co- the coach of the coach of the coach of the coach. Um, good, it's good fun, but uh, they're shameless plug. We'll have to make sure that they're tagged into this as well, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Um, listen, it's been a lot of fun. I've got one final question to ask you, um, which is we're going to jump into the Fearless Business Time Machine and um, you get to punch in the date. So we're going to go back to that date and you're going to have a word with Stuart, T minus X years. Um, when, what year would it be and what would you say to Stuart? You know, it'd probably be 2007. Um, business was going really good at the time, but I was about to go through the crash the same as everyone else. And it would be, you know what, just hold back. Don't spend as much money and just uh, ride out the storm and just be prepared for it. It was a trying time, but we got through it. Um, but it's just about preparing. Um, I think having a, a coach in your corner is so damn important um, to, to guide you and hold you along your way. I didn't have one for a long time. I've worked with a, a real good coach now who puts that framework around my business. So to take that skill set and put it 10 years ago, be bloody amazing, mate. Yeah, I suppose it's it's one of those things nobody could ever predict what was going to happen during that that financial crisis. And um, I'm always I'm never a big fan of like save like uh, cutting costs, for example, um, as a way of seeing a business through a crisis. But in the short term, and especially like during that financial crash in 2008, and then again with what we've had to put up with during the pandemic as well. Like short term, it's like yep, save as much money as you possibly can. That will see us through. Were you brave with your pricing at the same time then? Oh yeah, no, I was I was mega brave, mate. My pricing, um, it was mainly wedding photography back then. My prices stayed the same and actually went up. Um, I put my prices up in 2008 instead. So work numbers went down, price went to where it should be. And I was working with the clients I should have been working with. So it had been really easy to race to the bottom. Um, but I'm a stubborn sod, mate. So no, the prices stayed the same and actually went up slightly and carried on going up after that. And you know what? It carries on working, mate. There we go. So it sounds like some good, some real good did come out of that then. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still here, still kicking, still screaming and uh, still creating havoc wherever I get the chance, mate. And um, I haven't had to get a real job yet. So hopefully that'll continue. I I never intend to work a a day in my life if I can help it. (laughs) Well, I I think that's the the fun, isn't it? If you find something you love doing, you never have to work, do you? So that's that's the way I look at it anyway. Awesome. Stuart, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for giving up your time this afternoon to uh, join us on the podcast. Love to have you back at some point in the future as well to be a guest and give us a bit of an update on how things are going. But it's been an absolute pleasure thank you ever so much Robin thanks for having me mate it's been a real blast <laughs>